Welcome to Ordinary Matters, a podcast about faithfulness in everyday life because the ordinary matters. My name's Alistair. I'm the lead pastor of St. Peter's Fireside, a church in Vancouver, BC. And this is who I'm primarily speaking to in this podcast. But if you're listening in, I hope it'll be helpful to you as well. For this second episode of Ordinary Matters, I'm here with my wife, Julia. She's a registered clinical counselor. She runs a studio called New Story Counseling. She's joining me today so that we can continue to reflect upon what it means for the church to become a non-anxious presence for the common good of our city. Last week, I said the first step toward this is actually the step towards Jesus, spending time with him, dwelling with him, because he is our peace. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So in this episode, we're going to reflect on different ways we can do that. Before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge that if you have an anxiety disorder or if your anxiety rises to the level beyond what is common for any person to feel during this time, please reach out to a healthcare provider, reach out to a counselor or a psychologist. Many of them are doing video conference at this time. Reach out to those you love. We can't offer any medical advice, but we do hope to share some wisdom uh, that will hopefully benefit many people and hopefully you too. The first thing I would love to talk about is the different experiences people bring in this time. It's not uniform. So what are some of the best ways we can show compassion towards people whose experiences aren't the same as our own? And what do some of those experiences look like? Yeah, I think that's an easy one for us to answer because Alistair and I have been on different pages throughout this journey. But I'm very grateful that we've been able to talk about it. And I think that is maybe even the reason for this first question is just we're watching other people react on social media. We're talking with our friends and family and um, some people might be very distressed. Some people might have no reaction whatsoever. They're not maybe even in touch with what's actually happening around them. And um, obviously people on the two ends of the continuum are, would probably have a hard time understanding one another. So I think it's important. Um, it's been important to me. It's been a blessing to me when Alistair has given me space to just say exactly what I'm feeling, even if it doesn't make any sense and even if it contradicts what he's experiencing. Um I think that has been such a gift. And if we can offer that to one another in this time, especially as a church community, to make space for one another, to have um, permission to say exactly what they're feeling, exactly what they're thinking, even if in some realm it might feel a little crazy or a little out there, just to let them have some space to be heard and recognize it's not our job to correct people's view or to make them feel or experience this the same way, um, but that we're very different, right? So we're going to respond differently. And I think what's important to remember is no one in our circles, at least, have ever been through this before. No. <laughs> so there's no right reaction. There's no right way to go through this. Now, of course, there's some right postures. You know, We want to take a posture of listening to our authorities and people who are working really hard to discern the best course of action. But in terms of how you respond to that and how you process that through the day, there's no right way or wrong way to do that. You need to listen to your experience and 
and share that with people as you're saying and, and invite people to journey with you into that. And, mm-hmm. and I think as a church, what we need to do, even when we might have concerns about how some people are reacting and, and courses of action they might be taking is not to use shame as a corrective device or even a motivating device, but to use compassion to engage with people whose experiences might be leading them to actions that we disagree with. I think the word is curiosity, hmm. right? Rather than judging them because what you don't understand maybe how they're processing and how they're going forward, rather being curious about what what is happening for you and what um, just asking them a bunch of questions that gives them the space to think out loud and to maybe even help them process so they can um, come to terms with reality. Cause this is a very shocking reality that we're living in right now. So our hope today is also to talk about some of the different things we might be able to do as a church to ground ourselves and become a non-anxious presence. And so mm-hmm. I'm hoping you can share some of your perspective and some of your experience as a counselor and what might be helpful to our people and maybe anyone listening during this anxious time, how do they remain grounded in Christ? Mm. Um, yeah, I loved actually our first episode was like, be a non-anxious presence. And I'm thinking, I'm not really sure I know how to do that. And I'm, I'm supposed to be the expert. So hopefully this helps us um, maybe tease some of these ideas out mm-hmm. and like, feel free to ask questions or um, you know, send in emails if you're confused about what it means to be non-anxious presence. Maybe we can answer those questions better in a later podcast or how to do it. I think today we'll just start trying to help you do it. So um, one thing I love about our church is a few years ago, we went through a process of asking people in our community what they valued, what was important to them, um, especially pertaining to their faith and especially pertaining to St. Peter's and we um, took a lot of information and whittled it down to five values. So I'm gonna use our five church values to talk a bit about being a non-anxious presence. So I'm gonna start the biggest one, I think the most um, important in my mind, and maybe because it's helping me the most, is the first value to highlight is under authority. Mm-hmm. Right now we are in a time of radical change and shifts and and um, mass amounts of information. And there's no way for us as individuals to process that information and gather more information and make our own sound decision. We are put in a position of needing to trust the people over us, um, needing to come under their authority and to do what they're asking of us for the benefit of our society, even if it's confusing and even if it's challenging or hard. So I love that value in our church can actually apply at this time. And I do believe um, trust is this beautiful thing that when we, um, the term radical acceptance comes to mind, when we radically accept the things that are before us, when we accept that the authorities over us are trying to help, and even higher than that, the authority of God, that God is not surprised by this, that he is at work in this, if we can trust them, it actually brings an inner peace and an inner calm. And that can have that grounding effect we're looking that creates a non-anxious presence. So I think that's the first idea. The first value is to come under the authority over us, to do what they're asking of us, to radically accept that this situation um, is out of our control. We are powerless on some level and just to trust God and trust the people over us. Mm-hmm. And 
the the value of under authority, it's not that we're saying you should never be uncritical in your acceptance of authority over you, but it's to recognize that God has instituted certain authorities in this world and that the scriptures call us to submit even to our governing authorities so long as they're not calling us to compromise our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and at this point, none of the instruction from the authorities above us are asking us to compromise our faith. Yes, they're asking us not to gather, but that's out of wisdom and, and love so that we can protect the vulnerable in our midst. It's the strong protecting the weak, as Paul would put it, and it's a form of social justice. So just when you think through under authority, don't think just do what someone says and don't wrestle with it, but to acknowledge that when authorities above us are acting for the common good, we have to acknowledge we don't have the whole picture. They have more information than we do, and they're really actually trying to help us. Yeah, and I can speak on a personal level. I am one that like, when change is happening, I wanna dig my heels in, I wanna push back, I don't like it. And so I've had this inner um, tension as authorities are restricting and restricting and restricting the things around us. I've had this inner tension of like, oh, well, maybe that's really not needed or maybe that doesn't apply to me or maybe we could still go to Arizona. Like Alistair and I have been having these debates and God bless him, he's been hearing me out. But um, yeah, I'm having a harder time coming under the reality that we're in. And so my processing is slower. And so, um, trusting the authority above me, coming under their wisdom, coming under their care, coming under God's wisdom and God's care that he understands um, there's going to be disappointment in this time and there's going to be struggle with change uh, has been really, really helpful for me personally. So I appreciate that value. So our second value as a church is default to prayer. How might that help us during this time? Mm -hmm. So, um, if you've been on the internet, which I'm guessing you have, you may have heard some things about stress management and mindfulness. So um, I just want to talk briefly on prayer as a beneficial stress management tool and how mindfulness is a beneficial stress management tool can be used in prayer. So mindfulness is the idea of taking our focus, taking our attention, pulling it into the present moment using our body, using where we are, using the space around us, using our sensory system to kind of cue in where we are in this moment. And there is sometimes a sense of just being okay, just being where we are and not judging it, not trying to change it. So mindfulness is, it's a slowing down, it's a present mindedness, it's um, accepting of where we are. And that has been proven very beneficial for our psyche. Um, I think the uh, to add to the benefit, in my opinion, especially for our church, especially for our community, is using mindfulness of God in the moment. So this more aligns with contemplative prayer practices. So contemplative prayer being, I'm sitting here in the presence of God. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to like make any plans. We're not going to problem solve. God and I are just going to sit and I'm going to be aware of him. You can either focus on maybe one of his attributes as a starting point. Maybe you can use your imagination and imagine him in the room with you. How does he show up? What form does he take? Where does he meet you? 
So these are ideas of default to prayer now. Like we, obviously we can be praying for the situation. We can be praying for ourselves, for our loved ones. We can be praying for a vaccine. There's so many things we can be praying for. Default to prayer might be easier now, especially as life has been um, intentionally simplified. But I think to make it mentally beneficial is to make prayer less about the problem and more about sitting in the presence of God where you are as you are and being aware of him and his power in this place. I think right now the great challenge is that we want to default to our newsfeed. Mm. We want to default to hearing what's changed, what's going to happen today. And, and it's not wrong to want to stay up to date with the news. That's going to be important. But I think we need to evaluate our practice there. Uh, we should default to prayer first. We should ground ourselves before reading news that might actually cause increased anxiety and rightfully so. And so I would, I would just encourage you to reflect upon your practices. Maybe it's best that you only check the news once a day for 30 minutes. And before you do that, you pray and you root yourself in Christ and you get grounded in the reality that he's still Lord. He's still sustaining the world. He's still with us and whatever we're going to read and whatever the outworking of that might mean for social distancing and what it might mean for our jobs and all of that, that we're continually praying and anchoring ourselves in Christ's presence as we go into these uncertain times. So our third value is interdependence. Uh, by that word, we mean uh, we're made for relationship. We're made to connect with people. And now we're in a situation where those connections are limited and we have to connect through technology or we have to remain just with those who are closest to us, whether our roommates or our family. And so how can our value of interdependence help ground us as a non-anxious presence at this time? We're made for connection and God made us that way. He wants us to be connected to one another, to be um, relating to one another. And that the lovely thing is that it's been proven over and over in research on human beings across time is that attachment is very important to us. It's very important to our sense of peace and our sense of security. And when attachment is, um, well, what's the word? When attachment is not secure, when it feels threatened in some way, that can be very distressing to us. So I think right now there are there is a disruption to our attachments in physical space. So trying to remember, even though I don't see this person, the relationship is strong, secure, even if I don't talk to them on a daily basis or even if we're far away, like my family's in the States and now that the border's closed, it feels like a physical disruption in my relationship with my family. And that's incredibly painful. But there is there are other elements to our relationships that we can pull into um, in an interdependent way to remember our closeness, remember our bond, and um, to continue reaching out to one another, although that is challenging. It is challenging with social distancing. Um, but in our church community, um, maybe just remembering that there are other people in our church community who value interdependence. So don't feel shy in reaching out. Don't feel hesitant. Um, if someone comes to your mind, maybe shoot them a note through a messenger or through email. If um, someone's on your heart to just try and connect with them at this time. And I think also make room for negative feelings. If you're at home and you're, you're feeling lonely and it's making you restless and um, 
maybe robbing you of a sense of contentment in the moment rather than saying, oh, that feeling's wrong. How do I avoid it? To acknowledge that maybe you're longing to connect with people and to have some self-compassion and acknowledge that that's a good longing and to not be able to fulfill that longing in the way you want is hard. And to name that feeling and to maybe call someone and name it before them and, and hold space to talk about that. Uh, if you are feeling increased loneliness and isolation at this time, uh, it's not wrong. It's actually uh, an expression of a very healthy desire. And to make room for that in community and to speak about it, I think will be really important at this time. So we've discussed under authority, default to prayer, interdependence, how can our value of integrated faith help ground us at this time? Um, integrated faith to me is that understanding that everything matters to God. Everything in my life, every person, every activity, um, including myself, like we matter to God. And he's hoping that our view of him, our understanding of his activity in this world influences, um, our faith influences all aspects of our lives. So right now, um, there's a risk in talking about this because I think some people are seeing incongruence with God and with the suffering. Mm -hmm. um, so I think right now we're in a place more of challenge for this value of how is God working in this? Are we able to feel um a sense of him acting in spite of the suffering, in spite of the illness, are we, our faith might be challenged in these moments. Our trust of him might be challenged in these moments. Um, so I think my urge is to push into that and maybe do that through, there are probably some good resources Alistair can mention about where is God in suffering, or maybe there are people in your life that you can trust to have this conversation with. But I want to say I believe God is present in this situation. I believe he's not surprised by it. I believe he is working in it. And um, I know sometimes suffering is something he can work through. Um, he's not afraid of suffering. He's not afraid of death. He can, he can use those things and be active in those things. So I think that that point, there's a pressure point of what we're experiencing as human beings that's ugly, that can challenge our faith, that I think we're actually being called, um, when it comes to our psychology, we're, we're being called to congruence. Like how do we make these things line up mm -hmm. for peace, to create peace in ourselves? And there is obviously no quick answer to no? <laughs> the problem of suffering. And, and there's lots of resources that you can email me for. Uh, but even if you read all the philosophy around the problem of evil or the problem of suffering and you you see some of the resolution maybe proposed by Alvin Plantinga, okay, you've got the intellectual answer, but it doesn't actually fix the experience. And so even when we can think through why does God allow suffering and even if we come up with a reasonable answer that we find satisfying, it actually doesn't comfort the heart in the same way as meeting Christ in our suffering, as our suffering servant, as the one, although sovereign over all things, is with us in all things, experiencing them with us. And so 
as you wrestle through suffering and why God allows any form of suffering in this world, always keep it anchored in the emotional reality that Jesus Christ suffered with us and for us and walks through it to its end for us. Finally, we're at the joy of salvation, and it does seem a little odd to speak about joy at a time like this, uh, but the joy of salvation to us as a church is a reminder that the good news of the gospel is great joy for the whole world. And so how does this value help ground us during this COVID-19 season? Mm-hmm. Um, there is... Um... There is a reality for human beings to struggle with existential questions. We joke with um, existential dread, existential anxiety, all these things. They're the bigger life questions. What's the purpose? What's the meaning? Why am I here? And I do think that as Christians, we've been invited. It's kind of like the curtain's been open and we're seeing behind the scenes. And that that seeing beyond some answers to our existential questions through the gospel, through the narrative of the Bible, can bring peace instead of existential anxiety. So I think for me, when I'm talking about this, the joy of salvation is the knowledge of the gospel that God has entered into this world for our good to save us because he loves us. He understands things are broken. He's not surprised by things being broken. And he's happy to be the one to set things back to right. Um, There's joy in that. There's joy in that story. And even amidst um, this pandemic, against great suffering, against real fear over life and life and death issues, um, there's there's a gift as Christians to live out of that storyline. I don't think it's gonna make it necessarily super light and easy, but I'm very grateful for that in my life. I have clients I work with who have that storyline. I see it provide peace for them. I see it provide grounding for them. I see the sigh as we talk about where the Lord is and what he's doing in his salvation and his work of salvation. And there, um, I think maybe the joy of salvation, again, Alistair said might be a stretch right now, but the peace of salvation, the peace of God's work to save us from what is wrong Um, is very real at this time. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with a family member many years ago, and he knew a family whose young child had died. And he had asked me the hardest question, why would God allow this to happen? And throughout the conversation, I eventually asked him, well, what do you think happened to the child? And he said, well, she's dust now, it's over. And all of a sudden, all of his emotion evaporated. The great egregiousness of a child's death was gone. And I said, do you see, if you believe in God or if you acknowledge that maybe there is a God, suddenly suffering is infused with great meaning. It's egregious. Something wrong has occurred. Now we have serious questions. But the moment we remove God from the picture, the end of suffering is simply its end. And and that our only hope of resolution for the suffering that might happen in this world, the only hope for some sort of just outcome when people die tragically 
is if there's a God who will bring redemption, raise us from the dead and give us life. And so our joy might be cloaked in the form of hope during this time. But one other thing that I've appreciated about what some people are trying to do is sharing what's good out there. That video coming out of Italy of people singing on their balconies made me think, what's beautiful about life is that there's a song at all. Putting lyrical quality aside for a moment, <laughs> but that there's even singing, even a song to be sung is something so profoundly beautiful about humanity. But I think if we press into that, the scriptures say, yeah, that's because there's a singing God. You know, Zephaniah 317, like the Lord sings over us with loud song. He exalts over us with rejoicing and he'll quiet us with his love. And so I would say, hold on to all forms of joy during this time and, and don't worry about it being incongruous. Joy can dance with suffering and the two don't need to eliminate one another. In fact, they go together so often in the scriptures. Well, Julia, thanks for sharing your thoughts. That's all we have for this episode. Our prayer for you, St. Peter's, and for anyone listening, is that you would run to Christ, that you would hear his song, that you would see that he's with us in the unknown and in the suffering by being present to his presence. You might become a non-anxious presence for the good of this city.